Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. So, does it feel real now? We've just seen Mark Marquez take to the stage for a MotoGP launch, not wearing the orange of Repsol Honda, but the very unfamiliar on him grey and red of Grassini Ducati. As the 2024 season began in earnest with the launch event of the team that all eyes are going to be on this season. I'm Matt Beard, joining me on the Race MotoGP podcast are Simon Patterson, out there in Italy in the thick of the Grassini event, and Valentin Horenci, who, like me, was watching the stream on the race website and going, that looks like a photoshopped image, but you know it's not photoshopped, you know it's real, as Mark appeared in those colours. So Simon, let's go to you first. You have been to a lot of MotoGP launches over the years, but I imagine this one really was something unlike anything else. The, the weird thing is that this is a launch that would have been like anything else had it just been had it been any rider, basically. Um, I, I don't remember a satellite team ever putting on a, a kind of a song and dance extravaganza <laughs> with lighting shows. and yeah. We had the full works tonight. And it, it's good. I'm really, really glad that um, you know th- there's been a bit of talk um, behind the scenes about MotoGP teams trying to do a bit more with their team launches going forward. And this was this was proof that you know teams could do really cool things. And it was good. It was, it was nice to see something different. But... Beyond that, um, I've been to a lot of team launches. I'm kind of the idiot that goes to these events whenever lots of other people don't sometimes. Um, So I've been to a lot of team launches over the year, and I've never been to a satellite team launch that had the number of journalists in attendance that there was tonight at the, the Grassini one. I mean, there is a huge amount of interest in this. There was TV cameras from like 10 different countries there, there was journalists from all over the, the world. Um, there's a huge amount of attention being paid to what's going to happen this season with Mark Marquez and a Grissini Ducati, which is still, like you say, Matt, it's um, it's a completely alien-looking thing. I, I think you're absolutely right about how cool the launch was. I like A lot of people get sceptical about um, having the extra jazz... Well, it wasn't jazz. I think it was a mix of contemporary and breakdance, but that kind of vibe and the light shows and and the the heavy bass and whatever, and think it's kind of unnecessary window dressing. Oh yeah, it is completely. But you're never going to get a team launch these days where a mechanic talks you through the intricacies of what they've actually updated on the on the bike. You may as well have a bit of fun glitz and a bit of an event. And for the, you know, for the people involved in the team, especially, I absolutely loved it. And did I hear it right that Nadia Padovani Grassini chose that venue because she used to go clubbing there, which is yeah. absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I I have so I I adore that. It made me want to. I, I made me wish that the um, the Dorset pub where we used to go underage drinking after after sixth form days was still open. So if I ever happened to own a racing team, that's where I could launch it. It's just genius. Loved it. And, and the, the the nightclub with a massive pyramid glass roof, a la the, the Louvre in Paris. Um, it is like like a kilometer from the circuit entrance at Mizano as well. So it's not that it was something completely disconnected from MotoGP. 
and speaking to a few of the uh, a few of the local journalists and sort of mechanics and stuff, a few of them said, you know, have you ever been in a night out here? And I was like, you know, no. They were like, it's wild. It's wild. Like this place has a reputation. So it was it was a proper like sticky floors, dirty nightclub that they'd really cleaned up and turned into something really special for it. Um, oh, you're really it, selling. You're really selling us on a sticky. I floors enjoyed it. I like sticky floor <laughs> nightclubs. You know. Okay. Uh, the 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 thing about these team launches as well is that it's you know, I think it's important to remember that we go to them as journalists, but in the in the pecking order of who team launches for, journalists are like the bottom, yeah. because first and foremost these are events for sponsors. Then there's something for fans. Then there's something for the teams themselves, and then there's us. So it's you know it's not necessarily designed us and I'm for us, and I'm not going to get into like nitpicking about you know. The, the the fact that the media room was next to the gents' toilets in a dodgy Italian nightclub because who cares? It was good fun and that's you know it looked good and it it, it was a suitably impressive team launch for the size of the announcement that was made at it or that the you know what was presented to us at it. Yeah, I got I got the feeling Val from our chat about it, that you were loving it on the vibes basis as well. No, yeah, it was it was all right. It was I I thought it was like an early two thousands throwback f1-ish launch but maybe a, a slightly more budget version i guess than some of the crazy manufacturer launches you, you used to have but also less intolerable because of that <laughs> if, if honestly if i had to watch something like this every year with the dancers and stuff i'd probably i it, it, it would wear out its charm pretty quickly but short and sweet riders talked a, a fair bit there was a press conference section there was a, you know the normal launch stage chat there was no no like web3 integration synergy talk no random partners stepping onto the stage to describe how they're holding hands with grishini when they show up in the paddock and i don't know all of their laptops have the stickers of that sponsor none of that like i don't even understand why corporate people would get a kick out of that in, in launches sometimes sometimes it just feels like legitimately everybody's precious time on this earth is being taken up by fortuitedness and i I didn't even pronounce that word wrong, right? Didn't even say that word right. But anyway, this was good. This was short. It was shorter than this answer that I just gave. <laughs> Everything is shorter than the Vel podcast answer. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was charming. It was just that certainly on screen it came across the team absolutely loving the position it's been in. But the the main thing that this launch is about from a from a fan and media point of view was obviously Mark Marquez tested the Ducati for the first time at Valencia in the postseason test in November. But as is traditional, with big riders making big moves like that, he was still under contract to previous employer Honda at that point. So couldn't actually speak about what he thought about the bike that he's been chasing for the last few years and now got to ride. So tonight he could... He is now officially a Grassini Ducati man, so can chat about whatever he likes. What did we learn about how we found the Ducati so far? I mean, a little bit, but not not much extra, I would say, because we sort of the same sort of rhetoric has continued even after he's now tried the bike and has been found thoroughly convincing on it, but over a very limited sample size, over what he emphasizes repeatedly, is a a track that he likes as opposed to some of the some of the tracks that he doesn't like even though he's also won on those tracks because he's won on all of them except for some of the very very newer one ones um what have we learned is a it is a it is a difficult question because it does feel like we've learned something right but at the same time 
it feels like we're still waiting for the for the chips are down moment which might not even be Qatar necessarily, which might even be the second round. So it certainly might not be preseason testing. Uh, we definitely took away more from, from the Valencia test and the ease with which the lap time was coming. I think that was more informative. That was the, the whatever big doubt removed. Can Mark Marquez ride a different MotoGP bike to the Honda? Yes, immediately. I mean, I guess that was obvious, but it's, it's still nice to see it. Uh, is Mark Marquez talking of himself as a, as a title contender? We'll get on to, to that. He isn't. But that won't stop any of us, and it honestly it shouldn't, because we're we're here to be honest about what we think, and we're not writing a press release. We're discussing what what we expect, and if it's wrong, so be it. But there's no reason to be too guarded now for us, or even honestly, I think for him, no no huge reason. The the biggest takeaway from me from what he said was that he kind of admitted that there is a writing style adaption that needs to come. Um, and that there's a bit of work to be done on that. Um, he he also essentially said that it's not going to be a huge task because he hasn't been able to ride the Honda the way that he wants to ride it anyway because the bike is so fundamentally broken at the minute. But um, yeah, he you know he he did admit there's still a bit of work to be done. Um, I actually think that going to Sepang and, and Qatar two circuits that he you know admits himself he isn't a big fan of I think might help him. Um, and basically, you know, it means that if he goes to Qatar and wins there, um, the season's over already because he said that he's not going to be very good there. And if he is, you know, and uh, one of the one of the people I spoke to at the launch was um, his team or his new crew chief, Frankie Carcetti, who was quick to point out that while Mark might not like Qatar, Frankie loves it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, to see how it shakes out once the two of them, you know, get those two two tests under their belt and see what comes out of it yeah i mean the, for a lot of years in his relative honda prime the reason he wasn't winning in, in qatar was because ducatis were being unbeatable there and now he is on one obviously the world has moved on quite a lot since then not least in the fact there's eight ducatis and many riders on them who are a lot more established on ducati than mark marquez but those riders aren't you know multi-time world champions well one of them is now um Interesting what you say about the riding style adaptation, though, because I did think his comments were, were very clear in 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 showing that he's still got things he wants to change that he's not at all familiar with. But also, I know he did what fifty odd laps at the Valencia test, but forty nine. Mm-hmm. How basic that situation was in some ways. You know, he had the instruction to try and avoid crashing because he only had one bike rather than the four he's used to having at, at that particular test. Just going with a base setup rather than changing anything apart from a little tweak to adjust some front feeling. All of that suggests a lot of work to do, lots more to come. And then you look at the lap times from that test and he's quick straight away, despite the fact he's basically riding somebody else's bike and trying not to crash it. I mean, isn't that the worry <laughs> right there Exactly for the season ahead? Um, yeah, again, uh, Carcetti said that, I think he said they used like two sets of tires and that the only significant change they made at Valencia was because... Uh, they had to make some change to cope with the, the wind because it was super windy and generally pretty terrible conditions for testing a motorbike. So it, it really did, like, they really downplayed between the two of them how much effort they put into that test beyond just getting out and riding the bike. Um, there's obviously a big testing plan for the next few days, for the next, you know, what, five days of testing that they have across two circuits. But... You know, it doesn't look like they need to find a huge amount more. This is not Valentino Rossi going to Ducati and needing to find two seconds to be competitive. We're we're talking 
tenths, hundreds of seconds here in order for him to be, you know, realistically back where he was in 2019. Valencia wasn't like lap record pace or anything. It wasn't the conditions for lap record pace, but of course there is in a way still stuff to prove. But again, if you compare his Valencia pace to the Valencia pace of all the other riders that were switching to other manufacturers, we, we always know it's a very complicated process, but sometimes more so and sometimes less so. Some people click quicker than expected. I think, you know, going back to last season, Jack Miller adapted to KTM and found sort of found a level on the KTM, for instance, a lot quicker than I expected him to, then didn't really move on past that level over the rest of the season, but that's neither here nor there. Um, for, for Mark, clearly, like the, the level is there right away, and it, it is a question of how close it is to the ultimate ceiling. But when you start from a start point like this, the sky has to be the limit. And again, we all have to acknowledge that. You know, I talk about the rhetoric again, and it's because, and I, I'm, I'm not saying Mark is dishonest in some way or whatever. I'm not saying that, you know, he should be more bullish, more open uh, in, in his pursuit of a seventh MotoGP world title. I mean, I think that's in his mind, but he doesn't really need to be talking about it right now and doesn't need to be thinking about it right now. But when you start off this comfortable with a bike that's this good and you're Mark Marquez and you've won countless races and you've won and you've won and you've won and, you sh- and you're on this bike, I mean, that's, that's what we're all going to expect. And the baseline is there, the baseline that was set in Valencia. I mean, it's there to, to build a, a title challenge around. Now, he might not, but if he doesn't, then that will be disappointing. And maybe that's that's the sort of disappointment that he's protecting protecting himself against because it is it is possible that even a full season, even the adaptation, what Jorge Martin and Peco Bagnar already have on that bike, the affinity they have with it, the the youth, youth does matter, the the GP24, GP23 difference, even though that's a difference that Mark himself played out today, quite played played down today quite notably, I thought. It was for me, it sounded quite important that he described those two as being the same bike and he has not he did, tried the gp24 yeah. but he will he will have an awareness of what's in the pipeline what's being developed if he had an early feeling that the new bike is suddenly going to have an extra half a second he'd be talking about it it's yeah every rider would bring that up immediately it would be the first thing coming out of their mass and he did not so there's an acknowledgement he has the equipment there's an acknowledgement he has the the crew chief in frankie garchetti yeah it's not santi hernandez who he knows like his brother, but it is uh, an extremely accomplished crew chief. Everything is there. And so it's, yeah, I guess it's just up to us to put the plus between the two and two and get four. You're absolutely right, Val, in that whenever he was playing things down, it wasn't anything about being in a satellite team or on a year-old bike. And it it wouldn't have been insulting in the slightest if he had raised those factors you know, I don't think Grassini would take an offence at that. It literally is a satellite team with a with a year old bike, but that did not crop up at all. If he was saying there'd be a reason he wasn't going to be as competitive as we might expect, it was purely adaptation to a to a different bike, and others having more familiarity with that bike. So, as far as he's concerned, he has the equipment that Peko Banyaya and Jorge Martin are going to have this season, effectively, and it's down to him to take the fight to them. Although he was kind of talking a cautious game in that he was also beaming his face off for most of the launch about the fact he has that bike so yeah i i I took his um his downplaying of his chances as just not exactly game playing but just yeah kind of he would say that wouldn't he he can't he 
it, it would be slightly bad form to kind of stride in going, yeah, I'm going to win the title with this bike. It's not his style. I agree. It is not his style, but also I should, I think I should make a promise here after having said all that. I think if there is a rider down the line who shows up to a launch and goes, yeah, I should be in title contention and then ends up nowhere near, I, w- I will promise to not hold that against them. I'm like I'm happy to hear what they expect and if you know if they fall short of that then it shouldn't be exacerbated by what they said necessarily I think we we need it's not serious it's not you know it's it's sports you can you can set the goal high and you can shoot for the moon and end up not on the moon and that's fine that's part of it and and there will be writers over the course of this season of launches who say I am expecting to go into this season fighting for the championship. I mean, it's not going to be unrealistic to hear that sort of language from Enea Bastianini, Jorge Martin, maybe even Fabio Quattararo if the Yamaha has improved significantly. It, it, it is, like you say, Val, it's sport. It's part of it. Simon, you mentioned chatting with Carcetti tonight. He's someone you know well and you've rated his work for a long time with various riders. Uh, what sense have you got of how he's finding life with Mark Marquez so far? Um, well, the the, uh, the their biggest bonding experience so far has been a particularly ferocious game of paddle yesterday. Um, he admitted to me uh, Spanish kind of half squash, half tennis that all the Catalan guys okay. love to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they've been... I was, I was gonna. I was sort of nodding along to that going, I'm going to have to ask what that is because I have absolutely no clue and you, you're just talking with complete confidence like everyone has. It's like when Val mentions this thing called the NFL, like everyone's heard of that. By the way, <laughs> game is starting in five minutes. Look at the sacrifices I make. Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> think, 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 uh, think tennis with solid bats, like... Oh, wow. Racket-shaped bats. Yeah, yeah it's, it's super fast and competitive. The guys all love it. It's a real cat. Matt, thing. It's, it's, what, so, it's what all the F1 drivers play when they don't play golf, which they do incessantly because they're all rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they, they've, um, they've been enjoying that. But, um, and and they, both, uh, they both came out to Riccioni to Grassini headquarters a few days ahead of the launch just to literally just to spend a few t- days together and get to know each other a little bit better. But, um, I, th- you know, the, the, the thing that Frankie said that I think was the most important about it, their relationship so far was that he says it turns out that they're both quite similar in that they are completely and utterly obsessed with motorbike racing. So Mark will message him randomly about a data setting and it will turn into an hour-long conversation because they're both obsessed with it, nice. uh, which is also something that, that we heard him doing with Juan Mir yeah. uh, quite a bit. You know, we, we know that Frankie built a really good relationship with Mir. Um, they shared a love of being idiots and super-fast go-karts together, uh, which was kind of their bonding experience. But yeah, um, I think because they're both quite single-minded um in how they go about things i think that that'll that'll bounce really well off each other um you know it it seems like it you know it helps that marquez has been quite open about going into the the new crew chief relationship talking a lot about how he's only heard good things about carcetti um and i think it's kind of lived up to expectations so far um frankie's a old enough and experienced enough to know what he was getting in the Marquez package and that has delivered as well 
And, you know, on a personal level, it seems like the two of them have clicked pretty well. And yeah, it's it's kind of all good to go. Now, we can actually hear Carcetti's own take on how things are going, working with Marquez so far. Simon did grab him for a quick on-the-record chat at the launch about their first test together and his impressions of working with the six-time world champion on a personal basis in the last few months. How, how was the mood in the garage after that first run in Valencia? Yeah, I think just... Um it's a new project for anyone. Uh, you have no idea. You have all these pressures, everyone talking about you. Um, he, he just believed he got to ride it. Everything went smoothly. Um, and yeah, I think he was just happy, you know, that uh, it was a good first run. Fair enough. It, it sounds like he wasn't pushing too hard from what he said to earlier. He was kind of taking it easy. There was no mad attempts to do lap times there was no pushing too hard so there's probably not too much for us to read into what we saw from any of it is that fair yeah i think um it was almost a shame for us because we had a plan to try a few things and have a look but the conditions were awful so the only changes we made was literally for the wind and you wouldn't ever do that normally on a race weekend but uh, we did it just for the conditions because you have one bike um, something goes wrong or anything then you know it's a whole test wasted so it was more just to give him a little bit of not the fastest bike but something that he could ride and feel and understand so it was nice to come through smoothly from that on the other side of it it now means we go into Sabang with quite a lot of work uh, trying to understand what what suits him what he needs um, because it's, you know, that Valencia test was very, very difficult. And, you know, I think we only used two, t- you know, very few tyres. It was just, it was more just to ride around and get a basic feeling of uh, the package. It sounds like the two of you have been in contact quite a bit over winter, spending a little bit of time together, just trying to build up that relationship and get to know each other. Yeah, I think... Um, not purposely done. Uh, I think I'm quite similar as well, and you know, I eat, breathe, and sleep, sleep uh, bikes, and it, it, a lot of it was uh, to be prepared for Sepang um, because we weren't quite sure of what we may need or whatever. It's just a case of all the bits that we want to try ergonomically, not just bike setup. That we've got everything ready um, because it's like. People don't realise now these tests uh, are fundamental because when you go to Qatar and after 20 laps you go straight into qualifying mode, it's difficult. Uh, And that's the other thing. In tests, it gives you the ability to improve, improve, and you can be fast in a test. But when you have to go to a completely different track and after 20 laps go Banzai, it's a completely different world. You know, if you haven't got that bike set up, that feeling familiarity it's uh, it's a lot tougher has there has there been any surprises yet working with them is there anything that's shocked you a little bit or anything even just different from what you expected it was going to be uh, apart from the paddle yesterday uh, no uh, no uh, we're just trying to understand each other um, it's like any relationship you try and get the positives my side his side uh, and come up with something that's balanced and that works. 
Fair enough. And finally, who's going to win the championship? <laughs> uh, if you do this interview at Valencia, I'll tell you. <laughs> Thanks, Frankie. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. course with a lot of launch events whether it's in MotoGP or F1 when you see the bike or car you get a kind of flurry of social media responses going it's the same car it's the same bike it's the same color what's new now and yeah I often find that disappointing to see as well in this case I don't really care because this is all about Marquez in those colors and Marquez talking but we were expecting perhaps or some people were expecting a different look to the bike given that obviously Mark Marquez is a longtime Red Bull sponsored athlete. You'd expect Mark Marquez arriving would bring a whole host of new sponsors and commercial interest, but it still looks like the Grassini Ducati of twenty twenty three. So Simon, you had chats with the people behind all of that on the commercial side at Grassini tonight. What why is it the same colour? I mean the, the the fundamental takeaway from the conversations that I had, mainly with, with uh, team commercial director, sort of second in command, Carlo Merlini, who is a super honest guy, and you can ask these questions, and you know, he gives a good answer. Um, I think a lot of us are not expecting Mark Marquez to stay at Grissini longer than a year, and that maybe includes the Grissini team as well, because they're being very careful not to damage the relationships that they have with sponsors that's been with the team for a long, long time, only to then have to go back cap in hand the year after whenever uh, Marquez leaves for KTM and takes all of the Red Bull money that he brought with him this season away again. Uh, you know, it, it From that point, it makes sense. If he'd signed a two-year deal to this team, then I think we would have seen a bike that looks different because you can take more of a risk then and, and look, at, look at longer-term sponsorship options. But, you know, when everyone and their dog only expects Marquez to be there for a season, I absolutely see why Grissini don't want to to piss off the, the people that have been with them for years and years. Um, they have a, a slightly odd sponsorship strategy compared to the rest of the MotoGP grid in that they don't have a title sponsor. They've got lots of little sponsors or smaller sponsors. 
um, which is, you know, I, I guess a good thing and a bad thing. Um, as, as Merlini told me, it means you can afford to lose one of them without it being a huge hit to you. It means you can, you know, sub another one in fairly easily. Um, but it also means, you know, and this is the thing that kind of goes unsaid, it means that we talk about Pramac Ducati in the MotoGP Championship. We talked about Cryptodata or an Aprilia last season. Um, we only talk about Grissini. Their team branding, their team name, of which they are very, very proud, goes front and center in everything that we mention about this team right now. You know, and that's not always been the case. Um, whenever you look back to their glory day, their previous glory days, um, it was a Telefonica Honda at the time. It wasn't a Cassini bike. Yeah. Whereas that isn't the case now. They they take center stage in their own team um, because of this this you know, unusual setup that they have. I I get why they don't want to be, for example, Red Bull Ducati or Australia Galicia Ducati for a single season um, and, and, you know, kind of upset the apple cart whenever they can they can make it work. And at the end of the day, we know that they're not paying a fortune for Mark Marquez. They're not paying a massive salary. If anything, they could have brought in all the sponsors that... They uh, they had last season and be making more money this year because they're paying out less in wages, and and there will be other revenue streams that come in. That you know, I I spoke to uh, someone I, I I know quite well tonight who sells VIP packages in the paddock, and they've offered a, a team experience deal with Grissini for like a decade, and uh, he was telling me tonight that they sold out for the entire season in December. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And that's all extra revenue that's that's going to come into Grissini and as well, you know. So, for for a year, why would you risk everything whenever you've got a strategy that's that's going to make you more money and is going to keep people who've been loyal to you happy? We, we should say uh, it is really good that Grissini Ducati is still Grissini Ducati and not sponsored Ducati or whatever. That's really is how it should be in all in all facets of motorsport. That is how it should be. Team identities should stay team identities. Team names should stay recognizable team names. Um, we also, this is going to be great audio content. We should not undersell just how similar the 2023 and 2024 bikes are <laughs> in terms of livery. It is it is quite remarkable. Um, I've, you know, I've done some side-by-side looks at, you know, launch spec 23, launch spec 24. It's basically a, a game of spot the difference. Like the color scheme is exactly the same. Much of the sponsor positioning is the same. Some of the sponsors have been moved like a little bit to a different part of the part of the bike, but not necessarily in a different size. So it's, you know, same ingredients, maybe same dish. Let's be honest, same dish. Uh, and there were like there were like one or two sponsors that I thought, oh, this is new. And then I looked at the Qatar spec bike from the end of last year, and I was like, oh no, they're there already. <laughs> so <laughs> it really, it really is consistency is remarkable. It's like compared to this, the the change in livery they had between twenty two and twenty three is like it's an entirely different team. It's it's all new. It's crazy. Was it making Repsol Honda look like it had significant livery changes oh, yeah. between seasons oh, yeah. by comparison? I was messaging Val constantly about how red things were or not because I just kept squinting at the pictures, going, "Is are the legs on the over on the leathers more red? Have they put more red bits on the side? Are they making they it a little not. bit more Ducati-ish? Should Ducati get a bit more credit if he starts winning everything?" But Val was like, "No, just imagining all of that. Um, it's the same, same livery." Um, 
the only reason the only reason that I'm I'm kind of disappointed that they haven't signed a big title sponsor is because that is exactly what they've done with their Moto Two bikes. They're now sponsored by or they've they've increased the sponsorship from Chinese bike manufacturer QF Moto, who've just put a giant logo down the side of the bike in a red strip and basically taken off all the other sponsor logos and it looks really old school really <laughs> clean really really nice so basically the only reason i'm sad they don't have a title sponsor is because of like it could have looked even better yeah but uh you know i won't hold that against them so one of the other things that struck us tonight in the launch was um how readily he threw in some honda chat now you'd expect a bit of politeness around the team he was with for that long and and that did actually let him go you know, ahead of his contract ending. But we have talked before about how if Honda got good again, Marquez would be could be enticed back. And he was actually kind of openly talking about that prospect at the launch of his of his new employer's season. So was that just being kind to a manufacturer he's worked with for a very long time and let him go, or is there a sort of very unsubtle message in there? No, it's 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 not a matter of kindness, although kindness is certainly part of it, but it's because the answer evolved from being a Honda-specific answer to just being an answer of how, depending on how he performs this year, his options will be, you know, different options will be available him to him in 2025 on different terms. And it is a it is an extremely funny thing to be talking about at a 2024 season launch with the with the new team that you've just signed for. I, I agree completely, but I think it is also it very much ties into what Simon has been talking about and what I agree with completely. Yeah, he's here for a for a good time, not for a long time. After Grissini, he's going back to a factory team. I mean, uh, there's no no real sense to pretend that that's not the the plan and the idea. And it it is hard to envision a scenario where that isn't exactly what happens. Mark Marquez parted as as you know as he confirmed but as everybody knows he's parted ways with a significant amount of money that would have been his under the honda contract that money's going to have to come back to his pocket <laughs> someday in some way and that will happen through factory contracts after 2024 yeah it, it, it was a little bit jarring given that he's only just started this relationship. But I um, don't think for a second he'll be the only rider talking about 2025 deals at a team launch over the next few weeks, given... Uh, Fabio Cartaro will do it immediately. It'll be oh, the yeah. first thing he says. <laughs> Simon just got accosted by balloons. Yeah, what I know. There? I completely lost my train of thought. I have no idea. I put my hand up Are they balloons. real balloons or virtual No, balloons? they're virtual. Okay. That was weird. Well, yeah, I don't know why I thought they might be real. <laughs> Happy birthday, I guess. It's my mum's birthday tomorrow, but... Happy birthday, Simon's mum. Simon's travel situation is such that he's doing this podcast having slept for two hours, got up at 5am and travelled non-stop from then until this nightclub thing happened and then did a podcast that what now is approaching 11pm local time for him. So I thought he might just hallucinate balloons on his screen in a way that ap- appeared to us as well. But uh, I-, I genuinely lost my train of thought because I thought I was hallucinating the balloons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to make some sort of Mark Marquez point, but... Um, oh yeah, so so basically what I was going to say was, before the that was weird, um, was that... Uh, you know, if anything, at least he's being honest. Yeah. You know, the fact that he's openly talking about a Honda return and the fact that Christine here openly saying we've not signed sponsors that he told us to kiss he buggers off again means that there's obviously a fairly like open understanding within the team of what this is. And that's not a bad thing. That's that's much better than, you know, stringing them along until 
the penultimate round of the season and then pulling the rug out from under their feet like he kind of did to Honda in 2023. So, yeah, it's, it's let's call it personal growth. Okay, well, you say this is obviously a one and done, he's leaving Grassini, but after the launch tonight, I more than ever want this relationship to go on because everyone involved just looks so happy. I I know it's a marriage of convenience in a way, but that that is a team that a lot of people are fond of for some really good reasons with what it's achieved over the years, with the tragedies it's experienced as well, and just willing it to have success given what it's in, endured in, in so many ways as well. I know it's, like you say, it's a pragmatic solution for both parties for what will almost certainly be one, one year only. But at the same time, Mark Marquez gets to share a team with his brother Alex properly at last. And that relationship was just bouncing off the walls during during this event, as far as I could see. He gets to ride without pressure of expectation in a weird way for the first time in his career, possibly. Almost in as close to a nothing-to-lose way as he's been able to. It just looks like this is something he's going to really, really enjoy as well. It should do. Uh, to, to, you know, he's talked about just you know being able to run in the top five is enough. Don't believe that for a second. No, I think finishing fifth a couple of times will make him the maddest person in the history of the world. <laughs> uh, but look, we'll, we'll see if you know if the silverware comes and it does come, he will. He'll be beaming. Uh, the Alex aspect of it is it is very interesting in in many facets, and not just because. I would like to see how it impacts also Alex Marquez's performance because I, I do think he is very talented and have always thought that and think that having a genius next to him as his teammate and a genius who is personally invested in his success too should help. The, the question is, and we'll find out after a few rounds, I think Alex Marquez probably still doesn't have a great idea of what Mark is like as a teammate. It, as weird as that sounds, because 2020 was a, a write-off, and it was yeah. never going to be, it, it was never going to be what this can be, as as Alex himself brought up. In, in 2020, they were existing at basically at different speeds, at different parts of the grid. Alex was new on a not-so-friendly Honda. He wasn't really on the pace, apart from a couple of rounds where he was quite shockingly good. But for, for most of it, he was a backmarker, as were all, were all the other Hondas in Mark's absence. If Mark was there, if he was not injured, he'd be running at the front all the time. They'd exist in different postcodes. This year, they they will exist in the same postcode. I am, I am fairly confident of that. I am maybe not as bullish about it as Alex and Mark have been today, where Alex suggested that he maybe should be ahead to begin with. And Mark said that when, when Mark was asked quite the, the lovely question of which one of you is going to win a Grand Prix first. Mark was like, well, Qatar, I don't like. So in Qatar, if it's Qatar, Alex. Alex has a better chance, which I semi-believe, I guess. Alex Marquez can win a Grand Prix, just Mark Marquez has, will win a Grand Prix. <laughs> um, it's it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic because we'll, we'll see how it, you know, they're clearly, they are ridiculously close. And I don't say ridiculously as in, you know, is that something bad? It's, they are heartwarmingly, wonderfully close in what is a, a cutthroat, difficult world that doesn't always do great for interpersonal relationships because there's no time for that and all the individual interests. And they they care about each other very, very much, very clearly, um, as do some of the other brothers in MotoGP, but that's besides the point. Um, but 
it's going to be a long season for everyone and they'll be fighting for similar pieces of real estate and Mark will have his own stuff to worry about and maybe Alex will expect something that he's not getting, some kind of cooperation that he's not getting. We'll see. I, It's going to be an interesting test of them as teammates, certainly. I don't think they're going to be like on, not on speaking terms or anything like that. I don't expect that, certainly. But I think it, it, it will be interesting to see whether that that brotherly, ultra-close relationship can be translated into a tangible, positive resource on track, if that makes any sense. I mean, for me, the, the, the most interesting part of this dynamic is off the track. Um, I think that Alex Marquez is really good for Mark Marquez. He brings out the best in his brother in terms of his, his kind of off-the-bike personality. It's almost like... Alex is like the de-stress tool that Mark has. That Mark has. He's he's a calmer person around his brother. Um, you see it in in you know in their paddock interactions. You see it in some of the behind the scenes stuff that we've got to see from Dorner from their own productions with Red Bull. Um, those two work well as a team, and w- they've been teammates before, but we never got to see them be teammates. Um, you know that that ended abruptly. Um, basically half a race into their time together as teammates and even before that it wasn't normal because it was COVID it was uh you know they 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 spent two out of three days of a race weekend together but they were, weren't actually allowed to be together during the race weekend at the time because it was whenever the the paddock were isolating into bubbles within teams yeah so they've never been teammates properly apart from at a couple of preseason tests when Alex was a rookie jumping on a MotoGP bike for the first time and not a you know a, a really well seasoned MotoGP veteran like he is now so the two of them will bounce well off each other the dynamic will be really good i think it'll be quite entertaining um for those of us watching from the the sidelines and hopefully that means that whatever things do get a bit spicy and they do end up like knocking chunks off each other on track, which is all but inevitable. Hopefully, you know, that'll just make that quite entertaining as well for us. Yeah, I mean, as Simon alludes to, these are two guys who are, in the nicest possible terms, famously impolite yes. on track, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting. It's I'm really fascinated to see how this element goes. I actually, I don't see it turning to friction because their relationship is just so lovable to watch. You know, Mark has always come across as Alex's biggest fan in a really really genuine way and i don't want to underrate alex he has won moto 3 and moto 2 titles he has been competitive in many moto gp races as well he's also been unfathomably all over the place in terms of where his pace can vanish to or when he's just fallen off in a really needless way you know he's far from the most consistent rider on the grid and i don't know if mark being in the same garage is going to solve that in in any way i don't know really what i don't see what mark can contribute to the weaknesses that stop Alex Marquez being, you know, a top liner like his brother. He is someone who would be a very inoffensive MotoGP race winner. Well, he's won sprints, hasn't he now? But um, a Grand Prix winner if if it you know, if it happened. But I wouldn't if he left MotoGP without winning a Grand Prix. I wouldn't go, oh, that's a travesty because I just don't see him in that kind of that kind of top top level really. But like you say, I do think it's going to be a really entertaining fun relationship to watch if they get a one two along the way somewhere that'll just be that'll be cute yeah but it'll be mark ahead if that uh if that happens certainly unless the title's already sewn up by that point <laughs> oh yeah you could hand one to him couldn't you I can see that you, you say that but there is no you know we have now established a precedent of uh, a surprise grissini performance at the whenever we go to qatar oh, yeah. um, we've <laughs> yeah, done it two true. years in yeah. a row so uh 
you know, and Air Bastinini did it. Fabio Di Antonio yeah. somehow did it. You know, the, the, there is precedent. Let's, you know, let's start the Alex Marquez for opening win of the season campaign right here. I'm all for that. He could do it. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not being facetious or anything. It's, it's, it's. Possible. No, no, no. He genuinely good yeah. as well. That, that is the thing. Yeah. And, and that, that's you know. I think Alex is one of those guys who will. I don't want to say lock himself into a race win this season, but he things will align right for him at least once the way that they did for DiGentonio, for example, you know, because yeah. he has got, he, he hasn't got the talent to win a MotoGP world championship, but he has got the title to be an occasion, the talent to be an occasional race winner. hundred percent. He does. I think whatever happens from here, we're going to be in for some really lovely emotional stuff as Mark Marquez gets back to the front in MotoGP as Grassini tastes the sort of success it hasn't had chance to ever before, really, even in its greatest, greatest days. And as Alex Marquez gets sort of towed along the strip slipstream of it all, doing endearingly goofy things with his brother and potentially winning a Grand Prix or two along the way. Along the way, I really like the idea of this all going really well. If it doesn't go really well, that's a massive story in itself. It, it could be a very sad one in that we realise Mark Marquez isn't the rider he used to be. I don't think we're going to find that. It is a chance for everybody else who's been winning races and titles in his kind of competitive absence to show whether they were just pretenders or whether they they have actually su- surpassed this now much older guy. Well, not even actually that, actually that much older than some of them. Geriatric. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Relatively MotoGP. Ancient. Geriatric. But yeah, it's good to the launch like an awful lot of fun from a distance. I think Simon had fun there. It's been fun to talk about on this podcast. Simon is now heading straight off to another part of Italy for another uh, launch. You've got Ducati followed by VR46 followed by Trackhouse uh, in this week alone. We'll be doing two more podcasts during that one covering Simon's Ducati and VR46 antics and another one from Trackhouse's American festivities as MotoGP's newest team makes its uh, official debut thank you for your company on this one listeners i hope uh, those of you who are not mark marquez fans i hope um, you've kind of managed to bear with us through this uh, outpouring of positivity about how excited we are for him on the grassini ducati love him or hate him this is going to be an enormous story uh, thank you for listening we'll be back in your ears very soon fresh from ducati and vr46 launches The Athletic.